We continue on into chapter 29. Remember, Moses is still up in the mountain. The Lord's still communicating with him and giving him instructions for the priesthood for Aaron and his sons. And we're going to actually see this ceremony take place later on in the next book we're going to get to, Le Leviticus, around chapter 8. And the purpose of that ceremony is really to consecrate them, to hallow them, to set them apart for God's purpose. Verses 4 to 9 of chapter 9 read, And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and the robe, and the ephod, and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. This is the instructions of the ceremony that will take place later on when Moses comes down the, from the mountain, the tabernacle is built, and they are going to be anointed publicly, that everyone in Israel is going to be able to see this special consecration ceremony for Aaron and his sons. God not only gave specific instructions about the building of the tabernacle and the, the construction of the tent and all of its articles and the clothing for the priesthood, but also how they are to be prepared to serve before him continually. Because God is completely holy. And so he knows what it takes to get them prepared and ready to be able to serve him in this way. And also to make a distinction that coming into his presence is not something to be, to be taken lightly. There's preparation, there's a reverence, there's a holiness, and the idea of a heavenly reality, even as God dwells in their midst. The chapter continues with the ceremony of how the priests are being consecrated for their service unto the Lord and the inclusion of the sacrifice of the animals. And as you read through it, we won't be able to go into all the detail now, but as you read through it, you will see how God includes that the idea of blood as sacrifice to prepare not only Israel, but also Aaron and his sons to actually come before him. So atonement for sin, the shedding of blood was central in this system of serving the Lord, of worshiping the Lord. Even in their consecration, you're seeing it expressed there. Of course, the Bible is clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the blood would be mixed with oil and sprinkled on the priest, and then there would be a wave offering. And this entire ceremony, although it may seem like a lot to read or take in, every part of it was necessary in the preparation of the family of Aaron to be ministers unto God. And verses 35 to 37 say this, Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons. 
according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. We continue on with the Lord instructing Moses on the daily offerings. I'm going to read um, verses 38 to 39 for you. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. All right, so after there is a seven-day consecration period for the priests, now when they begin to administer to the Lord, they are to continue with daily sacrifices. One in the morning, one in the, in the, at the twilight. Every day they are to be giving sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And the Lord says this to Moses, verse 43, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. This is the purpose for all of the instructions for the seven-day consecration of the house of Aaron. God wants to meet with his people. He wants to dwell among his people. And he wants them to know that he is their God. His glory, his presence, the weight of his person is going to actually sanctify and consecrate the tabernacle. He is the one who consecrates. He is the one who will dwell. He is the one who puts together how he wants Israel to approach him. He wants them to be continual remembrance of what he has done and who he is. Israel is truly the people of God, marked by God. And, you know, as you go through history, except for the times when the Israelites were in captivity or when the nation had just turned away from God, the daily sacrifices that the Lord speaks of here continued in Israel all the way up until the time of the New Testament. So for the people of Israel, this is so important. As I lead us through the scriptures to meet Jesus in the New Testament, all of this foreshadows or prepares the way for Jesus to come and shows the significance of Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection and what he, his new covenant with us really means. And also, as you read through this, the Old Testament and the books that we have gone through already, you can see the holiness of God. The greatness of God, the wonder and the awe of God. And listen, my friend, he has not changed. With him sending Jesus does not change the, the character, the essence of who God is. It allows us to know him in a new, unique way. But listen, God is still the same and demands holiness and purity. So Aaron and his sons, they will have a ministry to the people of Israel. But remember, their first ministry is to the Lord. They are here to serve the Lord, to minister to him day 
at night. And Israel depended on their successful ministry because they were set apart to go to God as a priest does on behalf of the people. So we continue on into chapter 30. We're learning more about the tabernacle. And now he, uh, the Lord gives a description of the altar of incense. And um, this is the altar that they would burn a specific type of incense on. The altar was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. It was 18 inches square and three feet high. So a little bit smaller in, in dimensions, but its significance is not diminished. The altar of incense was constructed in such a way with the rings and poles that it would be carried just like the Ark of the Testimony would be, um, just like the table of showbread, just like the brazen altar with its grate. They were all to be mobile because the tabernacle was not a permanent structure. It would go with Israel as the Lord led them from place to place. Verses six to eight. Let me read that for you. And you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on its sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. He shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So this altar of incense is right before the veil that goes into the most holy place. And incense shall be burning on it continually every day. Uh, and this will go up to the Lord as sweet smelling savor. Verse 10 says, And Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. So this altar of incense also had four horns. And then once a year on the day of atonement, when the high priest would go into the most holy place, there would be a ritual where blood would be applied from the sin offering upon the horns. And that would be part of that ritual for atonement to cleanse the sins of the nation. Continuing into the chapter, the Lord speaks about the ra ransom money. Let me explain to you what that is. Verses 11 to 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. There was a census to be taken and it would include every person who's 20 years and over. Each person had to give a specific amount, which was one half a shekel. The rich and the poor had to both give the same amount. And there was a purpose for this amount. Verse 16, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. God wanted a census to be taken regularly and every person had to give a specific amount of money and that money was going to be used for the upkeep and for the service of the tabernacle. That is how this entire priesthood and um, dwelling place of God was to be upkept through this amount of money that was to be given. 
And an important thing for this is that, like I said, every person had to pay the same amount is basically a flat tax for everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you had. And this was not to make atonement for you because we know that that happens through the blood. Your sins are covered through the blood. But this was really to mark the ones who were atoned for. So for everybody who was part of the nation of Israel, they would all give money towards the, the tabernacle. So we continue. And now we have the instructions for the bronze labor. This is going to be an article uh, that is going to be actually in the courtyard. So verses 17 to 19. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make a laver of bronze with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. And the Lord says they have to wash it lest they die. They have to wash. They're not able to enter the tent of meeting unless they are washed. And this has a very practical use also because remember they're out there doing sacrifices continually. They're going to have blood and they're going to be dirty. And before they come into the tent, they have to wash. They have to be cleansed. This article is made out of bronze, not of gold. Those things that are within the tabernacle, um, the, the holy place, the most holy place, those are made of gold. Outside are made of bronze. So as we follow the instructions, we're seeing the, the tabernacle and its courtyard really starting to take shape in the instructions that God is giving to Moses. Then he goes on to the holy anointing oil. Verses 26 to 30, with it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy, who whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. So there's a special anointed oil with certain fragrances that is to be used only for the tabernacle and its ministry system. No one else can use it. No one else can make it. No other person other than the priests can use it. And the Lord is very strict and he says, if anyone tries to make this or use it for any other thing, they are going to be cut off from their people. They're going to die. This oil is only for the use of the tabernacle. As you read the description, you see what it's made of. And I'm sure it's going to, it would have smelled so beautiful, so pungent. And so no one else could have imitated or used it. Likewise, the incense. So in verses 34 to 35, the Lord gives the instructions for the composition of the incense and also with the warning that no one is supposed to use it, this, this combination of spices for anything else. And if they do, they will be cut off from their people. So the special incense and the special anointing oil are to be used only in the, in the ministry of the tabernacle. He didn't want anyone else or any other home to smell like how the, the tabernacle smelled. So when you came out of the camp to the place of, of the tabernacle, to the courtyard, there would be this fragrance, there would be a aroma that could be found nowhere else. 
So we continue over to chapter 31, and now our focus is going towards the artisans for building the tabernacle. So with all of these detailed instructions that the Lord is giving Moses, now he is letting Moses know that there are going to be specific people who can put this together. There are going to be people who are going to have the skill and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to be able to construct every article, every utensil according to the specific instructions that God gave to Moses. Allow me to read from verse 1 to about 6 of chapter 31. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahashmiach, of the tribe of Dan. And I've put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. So the Lord has highlighted Bezalel, Aholiab, his servant, and other people who are gifted in the different type of artistry that is needed. Uh, Bezalel will lead, he will teach, and they together will construct every utensil, every item, every garment that is needed for this ministry unto the Lord. In this construction of the tabernacle and, and preparing the priest to minister before the Lord, there is the work of the spirit, the spirit of knowledge and wisdom. He's the work of the creativity of the spirit to enable them to interpret accurately what they have heard and to allow their hands to bring forth a, a representation or imitation of that which is a heavenly reality. Anything that is to bring God glory and to be done for God to inhabit and God to be blessed must be made with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Even as we live our lives, especially as we live our lives and we want to bring glory to God and to accomplish those things which he has set us here to do, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to also work with our craft, whatever God has called us to do, you know, to practice, to do our best, to put our effort in, to, to not to qualify ourselves, but to bring the Lord something that he is deserving of. What we serve to the Lord, but also the world benefits from has to have the anointing of God. That's what makes the difference. So every laborer had to be blessed and had to be led by the Holy Spirit. We continue on and now we arrive to a place where the Lord is talking about the Sabbath law. So let me read a little bit for you. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath therefore for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death for whoever does any work on it that that person shall be cut off from among his people. This is important because the Lord wants them to obey the law for Sabbath rest. And as they go to do the work of the Lord for the Lord, it still must be in alignment with this principle. 
as we live our lives and we go to obey the Lord, to do what he has asked us to do, it is important that we do not break God's laws to do it. And that includes not lying, not harming people, not murdering. As we are on the way to what we call destiny fulfillment or accomplishing what we were sent here to do individually, we must also obey God's way of doing it. He doesn't want us to walk in unholiness to do his work. So after all of the instructions, now the Lord reminds them that they still must rest. Verse 18 says, and when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So remember, we have the Ten Commandments. He gives it to him. These stone tablets were to be placed in the Ark of the Testament, Ark of the Covenant, and kept there for the future generations. Now, all of this is happening on the mountain. And remember I said before that Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people are down at the base of the mountain and they are worried about Moses because Moses is their leader. Moses is the one who is showing them where to go and how to go and, and, and bringing the messages of God to them. So we read in verses one to six of chapter 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Pause. 40 days, they don't know if he's ever coming back. Maybe he's been consumed in the cloud that has descended on the mountain. Verse two, and Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and bought, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So let's look at the scene that's happening. Moses is up on the mountain receiving from the Lord the commandments, the moral law, the instruction for the tabernacle of how God wants to dwell in the midst of his people. He's also receiving the instructions for Aaron and Aaron's family to be able to minister unto the Lord continually. The people down below are concerned because Moses has not returned. And so they need a way of reaching God for themselves. And what do they know? Remember, they just came out of Egypt with all the pagan gods and the idols and all of that. What do they know? Make an idol. Make an idol and then bring offerings to the idol. And then they will have leadership over them. And so they go to Aaron. Now, the, the idea didn't start with Aaron. Understand that. But Aaron displayed weak leadership in that when the idea came to him, he did not reject it. What he did is he went along with the people and they bring an offering of gold. Remember, Moses is receiving the instructions for the people to bring an offering for the tabernacle, right? So they bring an offering of gold 
and he fashions this this calf. Now, where it says the next day they brought their offerings, they made their peace offerings or burnt offerings, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, when you think of playing, you may think of a seesaw and like a swing and, and all of that. But in the original language, the word play brings the connotation of sexual orgies honestly. And so there was an immorality, there was immorality that was happening around the worship of this calf. There was eating, there was drinking, there was merriment, but there was also sexual immorality that were taking place. Moses up there communicating with God. He has no clue what's going on down there, but God knows. And in verse 7 to 10, God says to Moses, go get down for your people, (laughs) <laughs> the Lord says, was there your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, o Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff necked people meaning they were they are stubborn and refuse to move in the direction that the lord is leading them verse 10 now therefore let me alone that i that my wrath may burn hot against them that i may consume them and i will make of you a great nation so Mo, god speaks to moses and said to tell us what's happening he said listen these are your people i'm going to consume them but i'll still use you i will still use you to do a great thing and become a great nation but moses moses doesn't say okay god yeah wipe them out use me all right i i i've sacrificed for you i'm here i've obeyed moses doesn't do that moses starts to plead for the people God's people have really been burned into Moses' heart, not because they are his people, but because they are God's people and because of what God has done for them. So he pleads with the Lord and asks the Lord not to turn against them. He makes this this plea based on the strength of the covenant. Because remember when God introduced himself, when God came to Moses, it was all about the covenant. And Moses begins to intercede for the people based on this covenant to spare them. And God answers Moses's prayer. God would not destroy them. Let me thank God for that. Thank God for his heart of mercy. And so Moses goes down the mountain and when he comes on a part and he meets Joshua before he gets to the base and Joshua hears the sound. He thinks that there's war in the camp, right? And although there wasn't like a natural war, there was definitely a spiritual war going on because what they were doing was not in accordance with the word of God. And when Moses comes down and he, he sees what is happening, the revelry, the, the eating, the merriment, the worshiping of this idol. Listen, Moses gets so angry. The, the Bible says his anger grows hot, becomes hot. And he casts down the two tablets of stone with the law of the Lord and he breaks them there. Just as the Israels broke the covenant with the Lord, he breaks the stones. And then he goes and he takes the calf that they have built and are worshiping and he burns it in the fire. And then he takes what is left over and grounds it to powder. He scatters the powder on the water and makes the children of Israel drink it. And then he questions Aaron, asking Aaron, Why would he allow this to happen? 
Why would he implement this type of worship of the calf? So let me read verses 25, 28. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. We know that the congregation of Israel is large. So we don't know how many people were involved in the worship of the calf. But it does say that 3,000 people were killed that day as punishment for their behavior. There's an interesting word that is used here. Moses saw that the people were unrestrained. Aaron had not restrained them. Aaron had not reined them in. He allowed them to go with their intentions and with their rebellion against God. And look what happens there. The Levites, who are about to come, the priests of Israel, side with Moses and with the Lord.